Welcome to the Destiny Youth Podcast. Destiny Youth is the youth ministry of Destiny Church based in Glasgow. Thanks for listening. We've been speaking through the fruit of the Spirit and we're at the final one. You can tell me what it is. What's the final one that we're on this week? Self-control. Okay. We're speaking about self-control this week. Um, as always, it's going to be interactive. I'm going to ask questions, and I want you guys to reply back, okay? I want us to really think about these questions, really think about how they apply to our lives, and interact with them, okay? Um, as mentioned, this is the last final fruit of the Spirit that we're speaking about, and it's on self-control. The first question I want to ask is, why do you think we need self-control, okay? In a world which says help yourself, in a world which says enjoy yourself, in a world which says if you have money, you're happy, why do you think we need self-control? So we can choose right from wrong, okay? Anybody else? Okay. I'll take one more. To hear from God before taking action. Okay, all of those are correct answers. We're also called to be different, okay? We're called to be different from the world around us. Just because we are in the world doesn't mean we're of the world. That's what I want you guys to think about right from the very start, okay? As you go into your schools, as you go into wherever you go, unis, just because you're in this world doesn't mean you're of the world, okay? That's the first thing I want you guys to remember as we start. Self-control is described as the ability to regulate and alter your responses to avoid undesirable behavior, increase desirable ones, and achieve long-term goals. But for me, if you put it simply, self-control is the ability to control oneself, okay? Even though it's a little bit deeper than that, but I really want to speak about really an aspect of self-control today. Firstly, we have to acknowledge that self-control is not entirely done by self. And you guys might look at me and be like, what does that mean? Because it says self-control. However, I need us to understand that as we've established from the start, everything, all these fruits of the Spirit are not the fruits of self, they are fruits of the Holy Spirit. And so the only way you can get them truly in the way that God wants you to have it is through the Holy Spirit. Okay, you might say self-control as in self, but nothing you can do by yourself will ever last. Okay, that's the first, another thing I want us to, to realize. It's called self-control, but true self-control only comes from the Holy Spirit. Okay, and I want us to understand that there is a war between our flesh and our spirit. Okay, we serve a different master when we come to know God and that we have a different purpose. I want to read Galatians 5.17, okay? For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want, okay? Ultimately, the spirit and the flesh, they do not get along. And let's grasp the fact that if we live by the flesh, will be living a lawless life, okay? And living by the flesh, it's a dangerous game. Proverbs 25 verse 28 also says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into without walls. Okay, this leads to my next question. A man without self-control 
is like a city broken into without walls. Let's imagine somebody who empathetically is a city. What do you think the repercussions of being a city and being broken into without walls are? What? You'll be tempted easily, okay? Let's imagine it. I'm a city, okay? Okay? I'm a city. I own this. I'm a city, okay? However, I'm broken down as a wall, and I just say, Marcus, walk in. Walk through. Come on, walk through. Walk through. Chris, walk through. Okay, Daniel, walk through. Does everybody get the point I'm trying to make? If you're a city which is broken, anything can get in. You have no control of what gets in and what gets out. And that's what it's like not having self-control. You can't stop yourself from doing things. You can't regulate yourself from doing things. You guys can sit down, sorry. That was just an example. But the point I'm trying to make is when you have no self-control, then you are slaves to those who conquer you. Okay, let's say they've all walked through and they've all stood there, okay? If they wanted 3v1, they could beat me up. No? Because they've entered my city, they've conquered me, and me being a city, I've been broken down. It's the same when you don't have self-control. When you don't have self-control, when you live a lawless life, you don't know what can come in, and what can come in can rule over you. Okay, that's the point I'm trying to make. In situations, in the same way if we don't have self-control, we find ourselves being ruled by situations and things. If we live by the flesh, then there is no self-control, and we find ourselves doing contrary to what the will of God is, which is why I refer to the Holy Spirit on this. Okay? The word is about self-control. But as everything, I think we need to realize how vital and how important the Holy Spirit is in all this. And it's something I myself am trying to learn even as I walk with God. It's quite ironic that somebody who is dealing with self-control, which is myself, is something I'm really praying to get better at and trusting the Holy Spirit in is who's speaking the word today about self-control. However, the Holy Spirit is the vital part in, in all of this. If you try and do something on your own strength, trust me, from experience, you will not go up to five hours or even an hour. If I said I'm going to wake up today, I'm going to be the best Christian you've ever seen, I'm not even going to go 20 minutes without before, before sinning, okay? That's why doing things by yourself will never work. The Holy Spirit is vital in all of this. He's our helper. He's our guardian. Even when we don't know what to say, he speaks on our behalf. So I just want us to understand how vital the Holy Spirit is, not just in the fruits of the Spirit, but in our everyday life. Okay? Let me give an example. Okay? Have we ever been in situations where the flesh wants us to do something? Okay? Maybe steal something because it's worth one pound, and your friends get away with it all the time, and the scanner doesn't beep. Okay? That was me in high school. People who are smiling know what I'm talking about. You've had friends who maybe take one pound sweets and the scanner doesn't beep. So you're like, okay, maybe I can do that and get away with it. But in your spirit, you just can't do it. You want to do it. It's only one pound, but you just can't seem to do it as a Christian. Have, we ever, have you ever been in a situation like that where your flesh wants you to do something? Yeah, yeah. Your flesh wants you to do something, but your spirit just does not agree with it. 
when we are born into coming to know God, our spirit becomes a new creation. Okay? And this is why I said, it's like me playing video games. I love to play video games. It's like me from playing FIFA, going back to playing Rocket League, which I hate. Okay? You're a new creation. And when your spirit knows that, your spirit doesn't want to go back to who it was, that life of lawlessness. It doesn't want to go back there. That's why it doesn't let you do that thing. Do you get me? When you come to know God, it doesn't mean you're never going to be tempted. Okay, ultimately, this flesh can lead you to do whatever if you let it. It doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted because you will. However, this is where you need to learn to rely on the Spirit of God. And you need to learn to rely on God's Word. Because where you know what God's Word is, you wouldn't do what's contrary to it because of your love for him. Okay? We are called to a higher purpose. And so when we trust the Holy Spirit within us to exert that self-control, then he will move in a way that we will never expect. And the key thing is, a lot of times, it's easier said than done. All you need to do is, is ask. And that's what I need to find myself doing in this moment. I need to just ask. And you think it's a complicated thing where you're like, okay, I need to wait for the Holy Spirit to fall upon me. And then I'm just going to be able to resist that thing. And I'm going to be having self-control for the rest of my life. All you need to do is ask. Okay? You're going to have situations where the flesh is going to want you to do something really badly. And you might not control it at times. But that's why you need to ask the Holy Spirit to move. So the main point I want you guys to take away from this so far is that there is a war daily between your flesh and your spirit. And this can influence how self-control is exerted in your lives. Every single day, as soon as you walk out into the playgrounds, you might get the urge to fight. Somebody's really annoying you. Somebody's saying something in your ears and your flesh just wants to go at them. Yeah? Everybody been in, has anybody been in situations like that? The flesh just really wants to go at them, really wants to exert that anger out. But your spirit is like, hold on, hold back. The point I'm trying to make is every single day, you will be tempted by the flesh. But when we acknowledge that there's a war going on, we need to know how to win the war. And we need to be ready, not just to sit back, but to be ready to fight, okay? It's like me coming up to you and squaring up to you. You need to be ready to fight. Not in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense. Okay, we know what's going on every single day and we know that there's a war there. So let's not just say, oh, I'm going to do it by myself, but let us be ready to fight with the Holy Spirit leading us. Okay? Romans 8 verse 9 says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, that's if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. We're not controlled by the flesh when we come to Christ. But we also have to acknowledge that we live in a sinful flesh. And even Paul spoke about living in the flesh. So we all know who Paul was, the great apostle of God. He said, the good that I want to do, I cannot do. So can you imagine the good things that you want to do, you're not able to do because you're living by the flesh. Then he says, but what I do not want to do that is what I find myself doing. Okay? So the things in which you know is detestable in the eyes of God, that is what you find yourself doing because you are living by the flesh. 
You all get that? Yeah? And that was Paul saying that. Mighty man of God who God used to write books in the Bible, who God used mightily in his days. And he was speaking about the flesh. If we really let the flesh overflow and overrun and control us, then we're living a dangerous game. Okay? Can one of you guys, anybody, open to 2 Peter 1, 2 to 7 for me, please? And anybody who's there can read it. Okay. I owe you something, okay? For next week, remind me, I owe you something. 2 Peter, specifically verse 7, okay? For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. I don't think it's a surprise that it ends with love. I think love is the greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself, but love the Lord your God. Okay? Before your heart, or your soul, or your mind, that's the greatest commandment. And I don't think it's a surprise it ends with love, but that's, that's beside the point here. The point I want to make here, it says, supplement knowledge with self-control. Knowledge with self-control. Realistically, we might be saying self-control, but do we actually know what self-control looks like as a Christian? Give me nods, give me waves. Do we know what self-control looks like as a Christian? Everybody's just looking straight at my eyes. Yeah? No? No? Okay. But how would we know what self-control looks like? Where would we find that? Anybody shout out? In the Bible. Okay. I think I was saying to my mom not too long ago, everything and every situation that we might encounter, it's all found in the Bible, and every solution you need is found in the Bible. Okay? Okay. And I'm going to read Galatians 19, no, 5, 19 to 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious, okay? So when we are speaking about what does self-control look like from being a Christian, living by the Spirit, this is the opposite. So this is living by the flesh. What does it look like? So we know. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauch debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, and how many of us have said, oh, I hate you? How many of us have said, I hate you to somebody? Okay, okay. So many of us have, okay, cool. Let's take a note. Get on. Um, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this, will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Okay? I want to say two things from this point. First of all, if anyone who says they've never done this or fit into any of these, they're lying or they're just not human. Of course, apart from me. No, I'm joking. But the second point I want to make is knowledge is supplemented. Knowledge or the word should be supplemented by self-control. So when you know the word, then you are encouraged, you're told to act upon that word. It's different. I think, as Pastor Matt said to me, when you come to know the word, you are judged to a higher standard. When you come to know God, you're judged to a higher standard than people who didn't know God. So when you come to know the knowledge of how you should live, but you don't live by that knowledge, 
you're called to a higher standard. And if you don't, we're not saying we're never going to meet God's standard. But if you purposely do not walk in that way after knowing it, then where's the self-control? Do we all get me? Yeah? And it's not as easy as it looks. We say supplement the knowledge with, with self-control and it's not as easy as it looks. I'll give you my example and where I need self-control. In uni, I have friends who are good instigators. So do we all know what an instigator is? I like to see you all smiling. Okay. Do we, do we know what an instigator is? Somebody who likes to... Okay? And if you know me, I can, I can be an instigator at times. Okay? But it's something I'm trying to get out of. It's something I'm trying to trust the Holy Spirit to get me out of. And I tend to instigate, right? A lot. However, bringing strife between brothers, it's a sin. Okay? And it's one of the detestable things to the Lord. So if you look at Proverbs 6, it speaks about the things which are detestable to, to the Lord, the thing God's, God hates. Okay, there are sins, and then there are sins that God hates, okay? And he speaks about 16 to 19, he says, um, a false witness who pulls out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And that's one of the sins that are detestable to the Lord. And if you imagine, when I'm with my friends and I like to stir the pot, and I'm enjoying it, but I don't know that that's a sin that's detestable to the Lord. And when I read that, in preparation for this, I was like, okay. I was like, Lord, have mercy. But for me, from a personal point of view, it's something I need to ask the Holy Spirit for help on, okay? So I don't let those around me make me become who I'm not meant to be, okay? And I want to ask some of us that question today. Are there people around you who you feel make you who you're not meant to be? Okay? Have we been in situations where somebody's mouthing off to you and you've, not, and you've had to exert self-control not to let anger, anger rule you? Have we maybe been listening to things and watching things that we maybe we shouldn't have and need self-control to overcome this? Or are we sometimes changing knowingly and unknowingly because of the people around us. Okay? Do we all know a chameleon? Yeah? If a chameleon stands there, he'll be white. If a chameleon stands there, he'll be black. So he just blends in with the people around him. Okay? So are we that person in which we just blend in with the people around us? Or do we have self-control that the way we are here as Christians who believe in God, who live for God, who are not scared to be different, are we the same when we're around those people? Okay, that's a question I want to ask you guys tonight, and I want you to, to keep in mind. Okay? Finally, I think we need to ask the Holy Spirit for self-control in the situations. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful, who will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide you with a way out. Okay? And I think many people, especially people who don't know God, are of the opinion that God can't wait to see us fail. Okay? You ever had a friend who is like, don't do that, don't do that, you go do it, it doesn't work, they're like, I told you so. So many people think that's like God. God tells you, don't do that, don't do that. And when you go do it and you fail, God's like, I told you so, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you know what, I'm judging you now. But many people have the perception that God is like that. But how can somebody be like that 
if he's making a way out for you of that situation, okay? He doesn't want you to be trapped in that situation. He doesn't want you not to exert self-control. He doesn't want you to fall into that trap that the enemy sets for you every day and he provides you with a way out because that's just who he is. So how can somebody like that be praying on your downfall? Okay, that's what I want you guys to understand. Many people think that God is waiting for us to fail, but God isn't like that. His word literally says, when we are tempted, he will make a way out for us of that temptation. And he says he will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. Okay? So in instances where we need to exert self-control, he won't let us be tempted beyond what we can bear, but he will provide us with a way out. And that's how faithful he is. Do we remember Joseph and Potiphar's wife who wanted to sleep with him? Do we remember that story? Yeah? Joseph just came in as a slave and Potiphar's wife wanted to tempt him to sleep with her. Do we all, or can somebody shout out, what was Joseph's way out of that situation, of that temptation? How did he escape that? Anybody? What? He ran. Okay. He saw the situation and he ran. So his way out was that door provided to him by God. That's what I'm trying to say. And it's just an example. When you're in situations like that in which you could let the flesh rule you or you could exert self-control, trust in the Holy Spirit to help you exert that self-control, you trust in the Holy Spirit. And God will always provide you a way out. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And for Joseph in that case, God provided him with a way out and best believe he took that way out and ran. Okay? So that's just the point I want to make. He wouldn't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but even in that temptation, he will always provide you with a way out. And, and I think Pastor Matt helped me also realize that sometimes we need to know our limit. We trust in the Holy Spirit. We know he's so powerful. And we know that when we ask of him, he, he, will, he, will, he will help us in that area of self-control. However, when I say, don't beg it, do you know what I mean? Don't beg it, don't ruin it, okay? Don't put yourself in that situation purposely where you're going to sin and be like, oh, Holy Spirit, help me. Oh, do you get me? Don't purposely put yourself in that situation. We acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is so powerful. But if you keep going towards it, how do you expect somebody to help you if you keep, wanna do, keep doing the wrong? Do you get what I mean? So we can trust in the Holy Spirit to help us, but we need to play our own part. Are they friends in our life who are maybe too influential negatively and having self-control around them is difficult? Reduce that time with them or even cut it off. There are steps that we need to take practically as we trust the Holy Spirit and don't be afraid to take those steps. It's something I'm learning. I need to not be afraid to take those steps. I need to trust that the Holy Spirit will help me, but practically, I need to take those steps as well, okay? We can't say, we want self-control, we want self-control. Yes, friends that don't help me in my relationship with God, let's go, let's go, let's go partying. Do you get what I mean? Okay, if you really, really seek and you want the Holy Spirit to help you, let us take steps practically, okay? And trust that the Holy Spirit will help us in that, okay? And when we trust the Holy Spirit, we know that, through his strength, he will mold us into who God wants us to be. Because let's think about it this way. It's a molding process, okay? You're not just going to be born with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, okay? He's got to mold you. He's molding you into that perfect 
Marcus in that perfect, Chris into that perfect Sanam that God wants you to be. That perfect Sanam is filled with love, filled with joy, filled with peace, and he's molding you into that person. And it's up to you if you want him to mold you into that person. He's never going to force you, but you've got to want it. Okay? And I just want to finish with a couple of stories. Okay? Just to show you that you're not alone in this. I've given you my example. It's something I'm trusting the Holy Spirit on and something I need to work on. But let's see if a biblical example helps. Okay? One of the person who I admire a lot and who a lot of people who read the Bible, I'm sure, admire is David. Okay? David is described as a man after God's heart. Everybody knows David, yeah? Yeah. Everybody knows his story from when son of Jesse went out, killed Goliath, and his triumph through being the king of Israel and winning so many battles, yeah? But there was a time in David's life when David saw Uriah, Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, bathing, and he slept with her. Would we say that was self-control? Yeah, no. Everybody's... Give me something, man. Right, okay. We wouldn't say that was self-control. So he sees somebody else's wife bathing and he goes and sleeps with her. Not only did he do that, but he also went and he killed her husband. And that's David, okay? And I'm not saying this to, obviously, it's like David. David is a man of God, but I'm just showing you through an example that we can have instances and periods in which we might not exert that self-control, okay? So he kills Uriah, the woman's wife, just to cover up for not exactly, not showing their self-control. And then David cries to the Lord for forgiveness and God shows him mercy. And I was just told this tonight, don't be afraid to trip. It's something I'm learning. Don't be afraid to, to fall because when you do fall, he will always be there to bring you back. That's how faithful God is, okay? But let us fix our eyes on him because he will bring us back. When we know we've gone wrong, would we rather stay in that wrong and drift away and say, I'm not worthy to go into his presence now, so I just keep drifting away? Or do we go back into his presence and ask for forgiveness? It's a question. Question out to do we keep going in the wrong that we're doing? We're not worthy to go into your presence because we've not shown self-control there. We fought with this person. And so we're just going to keep doing that. We're just going to keep doing that and live our own way. Or do we humbly go into him and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. What do we do? Anybody shout out. Right. We go into him asking, asking for forgiveness. And that's what David did. And I want you guys to know that actions have consequences, okay? David's consequence for this was he lost his first son, okay? Our actions have consequences. It's not God's fault. Let's, let's deep it now. It's not God's fault. What you do is your responsibility. So you got to own it, okay? So actions have consequences. Your actions, if done negatively, has consequences. Just like David. David had actions which had negative consequences in him losing his son, but even in that, he still went back and cried unto God and God forgave him. And God was faithful. Not only did God forgive him, but can anybody, apart from the leaders, tell me who was David and Bathsheba's son? So Bathsheba is the woman who he slept with, who was somebody else's wife. Who ended up being their son? Anybody? So can we think that a relationship which, let's think about it practically, should never have happened, 
has given birth to the wisest king. That's how faithful God was. That even in the situation where something shouldn't have happened, something that came out of a sin, God turned it around to something that was good. So I'm not saying go out and don't show self-control and God will turn it around for good. But I'm just saying this because God is so faithful that even in their sin, he gave them a blessing. That's just who God is. That's just the point I'm trying to make. So don't go out and just be like, I'm just going to do this because God's going to bless me, okay? But God was faithful in that. In that sin, they gave birth to Solomon, who was the wisest man and probably one of the richest, if not the richest man of the world or the world has ever seen. Let's look at Solomon then. Solomon, who searched so much for love that it was said he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Does anybody want to give me his game? Teach me his game. 700 wives and 300 concubines. If there's somebody you should learn from about getting married, it's him. But, but, <laughs> but, but, the whole point I'm trying to make is, would we say that was self-control? 700 wives and 300 concubines. Just because you're looking for love. Okay? Overall, right? Self-control is dependent on if we ask the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit for it. And these are men of God who the Bible speaks about, people who devoted their lives to God, people who honored God. I mean, there was literally, I think in the Bible it speaks about Solomon bringing a thousand, I don't know, it was burnt offerings to God. And this was somebody who honored God with the whole of his life. But there's instances where he didn't exert self-control. So I just wanted to use that story to let you guys know that you're not alone in this, okay? There's periods where we might fall, but even in those periods, we need to ask God and ask the Holy Spirit for help. There's times when you might sit there and you might know that it is brewing up. You might sit there, somebody starts chatting to you, Somebody's like, okay, it's talking in your ear and you know that anger wants to come out. We need to understand the power that we have in Jesus. We need to understand the power that we have in our Father, okay? I know a lot of us who have older brothers and sisters are snitches. Oh, mom, he did this. Oh, mom, he did that. Okay? And if we can snitch to our mom, why can't we snitch to God? Okay? God, there's this anger that's coming towards me. I feel so angry, but I want to honor you. I rebuke the spirit of anger. We're not saying it by our power, but we're telling our father what is bothering us and it's spoken to me again today. If we can snitch, oh, mom, he did this. Oh, mom, he took my PS5. Why can't we do that with God? Okay? Just practical steps we can take when we know that this time or this temptation might be coming. Realize the power you have in you. Realize the God that you serve. Realize how powerful he is. How powerful he is, not you are. How powerful he is and how he works in your life. So, just to, to end it, there are moments in which these men had not shown self-control. But no one is perfect apart from Jesus. And so let us rely on him 
Let us rely on the Holy Spirit, asking every day as we wake up, Holy Spirit, work these fruits of the Spirit in my life. Continue to mold them within me. Continue to grow them in me because it has to be a willingness on your part for them to grow. Ask him, can you grow these fruits within me? And let us ask the Holy Spirit to mold us into that person that God wants us to be. Somebody who reflects and lives in the nature of these fruits of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. I think this word, as much as it applies to me, I think it applies to, to a lot of us. I think we can't go through life saying we don't need self-control. We don't need the Holy Spirit. We don't need his fruits. And when it comes to the things of God, you've got to think, who cares? Like Pastor Mas said, who cares? And so it's not about, oh, I've sinned and I'm not showing self-control. It's about, I want to walk with God. I want to show self-control. I want these fruits of the Spirit to be lived out in me.